breathe, right? Just breathe. We're going to need to breathe through this message because I believe that God really wants to speak to us and he's been speaking to my heart as I've just battled and struggled this week. And I believe the Lord really, really wants to shake us to the core. Not for condemnation, not for fear. But a power and blessing. Do you, do you, do you realize that God doesn't long for disaster and destruction in your life? He wants to bless it. He wants to take the crud in your life and the mistakes and the failures and the flaws. And he wants Jesus to be seen in and through your life. Just grab one thing right now. Just grab one thing in your mind where you have fallen short this week. One thing. Maybe you blurted something out to your spouse and it just caused the week to just crumble like a puzzle of Jenga. (laughs) You just removed the wrong piece, guys. Maybe you failed by saying something you didn't mean to a friend. Maybe you blew up at work. Maybe you just clicked on the wrong things on the internet where you know you shouldn't have been. Maybe you just shared a little too much about somebody to someone else where you just knew you crossed the line. And maybe you just dabbled in something that brought you temporary pleasure, whether addiction or a habit that you're trying to break, and you just felt completely isolated, defeated, and deflated. You're not alone. I want you to know that when God looks at your life, he doesn't see your shortcomings or your failures. He sees his son Jesus stretched on the cross, taking your place so that we wouldn't have to be Christian atheists. That's the power of the message of the cross is to get rid of this whole idea of Christian atheist. Because the first category that we looked at last week was I believe in God. I call myself a Christian, but I don't know him. I don't have a relationship with him. And next week, we're going to look at the third category of Christian atheists. I believe in God, but I I just don't want to be all in for God. I got a lot going on in my life, and I got a lot going for me. And all the stakes are, are, are in position for this huge dream to come to pass. And so I just can't give it all to God. And in two weeks, the fourth category is I believe in God. I believe in God. I really do. But I don't trust him fully to be God in my life. And you see, when we start 
to understand that when God sees us, when we've received Jesus as Lord and Savior and the forgiveness of our sins, and he has cleansed us and truly made us new, if we believe that, when God looks at us, he sees forgiveness. He sees righteousness and perfection. And today, there is a huge enemy and a huge obstacle for us Christians who don't want to be labeled Christian atheists. And it's called the lack of fear of God. Now you kind of check yourself and say, did he say that right? Are we really supposed to fear God? Yeah, we are. And a lot of times, the second category of Christian atheists is so true to us. is because we believe in God, but we don't fear him as God. Studies prove this. Studies show that in our country, our blessed country, thank you veterans again, our country, three out of four people believe in God. We don't have the atheist problem as much as we think. Because three out of four Americans say they believe in God, but can we agree that three out of four people who call themselves Christians are not living their lives as if they fear God? Because if they truly knew God and feared God, and those two words go together, and we're going to look at that in a moment. If they really knew God personally and intimately and feared God, Christian atheists would not be a label that we wear. Last week we talked about cultural Christianity. Cultural Christianity. Because I'm American and I'm not Muslim and I'm not this other religion, I must be Christian. Because three out of four people believe in God and we're a Christian nation, right? So I must be a Christian. Hey, I went to church last Easter or Christmas. I grew up in church. I went to VBS. Hey, I've given to this ministry. Uh, I've given to this mission. I'm a good person. I really, I don't say bad things about bad people. I just, not religious, but I believe in God. But I don't fear God. Or know him. That's cultural Christianity. We just identify ourselves with the leading thing in our culture, right? We buy our culture, whatever it feeds us, we buy it hook, line, and sinker, right? If you even ask some people who would be considered in your mind as a Christian atheist why they call themselves a Christian, you're probably going to hear, I don't, I'm a Christian. I go to church. My parents were Christians. That's a big one. My parents were Christians. Yeah, I go to Elevation Community Church. I'm a Christian. Man, their worship is awesome. I go to Christian. Uh, I I don't go to Christian. I am a Christian. (laughs) See, their terminology, they can't even get their words straight. (laughs) But isn't that true? That's cultural Christianity. And we've got to really put a stake in the ground and fight against that movement in our lives. 
Because Jesus didn't die for cultural Christianity. He died for you. To be in a relationship with the most holy God. So today we're going to look at what Craig Rochelle, he's the author of the book, by the way, Christian Atheist. He's a pastor of the third largest church in the United States of America. It's grounded, based in Oklahoma. Incredible, incredible author and pastor. And he says it like this. He says, Christian Atheist can be considered cultural Christianity, but then today we're going to focus on the word called customized Christianity. Customized Christianity. What is customized Christianity? We believe in God, but we're just going to take the parts that we like, right? And we're going to reject the rest because we don't really fear God. We're going to take the parts we like and we're going to reject the rest because we don't really fear God. Let me illustrate it this way. Those of you who are around my age, I'm 39, and those of you who are older probably remember when really the only three choices of ice cream you had was vanilla, chocolate, strawberry. The trinity of ice cream. Man, it was there. It was enough. You didn't think about any other flavors other than mixing the three together. Right? And you just didn't think about it. You didn't want anything else until Robbins came on the scene and now offered not just three kinds of ice cream, but 31 types of ice cream. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) He blessed all 31 flavors and said it was good. And I tell you what, I could not wait on my birthday. I believe it was my aunt and my uncle in California. They would send me a Baskin Robbins certificate for my birthday, and it would give me a two scoop cone for free. So you would walk on in and you'd get your pink spoon. And you could try any flavor you want. This is like paradise. I swear, Baskin Robbins is going to be in heaven. (laughs) You never know. Speaking of, we're doing a series on heaven and Christmas. Dennis, we need to fit that in there. And you would be able to try any flavor you want that they had. You could even be so bold to try every single flavor. If you could get past the evil stairs... From the person with the scoop, right? Oh, seriously? And then you leave and you don't buy anything, right? <laughs> my favorite, I mean, come on, you gotta think of your favorite ice cream, basketball rhymes. My favorite was the bubblegum ice cream. Oh, give, give me a second, I just need to take it in. It wasn't just bubblegum flavor ice cream, come on. It was real ice cream with real bubble gum. It was heaven in a cone. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because of this mentality of you can customize anything you want for your pleasure. Not three flavors, 31 flavors. And now We've come a long way since Baskin-Robbins, have we not? 
Now we have Burger King. Have it your way. It's a consumer customized culture. Have it your way. And now you can have it your way at another restaurant chain of getting a burrito, a taco, a burrito bowl, or a salad bowl at Chipotle. Thank you, God. You can have it your way. You can get the kidney beans, leave, or the pinto beans. You can leave the black beans. You can have lettuce and leave the sour cream. And then we have Starbucks, for goodness sakes. They're like the king of coffee. Now, I would argue. Anyone been to Goshen Grind? Yeah, baby. Come on. And uh, you can have your coffee any way you like. Like a caramel frappe, please. Light on the milk. Light on the foam. Extra shot. Extra cold. Extra whip and caramel drizzle. Now, please. Seriously, now. And you get it. I mean, you can go online to Etsy and Amazon and you can customize your own single bobblehead. I mean, seriously, you're going to pay money, but you can have a bobblehead of you. You can even go on Christian, uh, what is it, uh, the dating website, is this past my time? ChristianMingleMatch.com. You can customize your own boy or girl. Seriously. Some of you have married your customized boyfriend or girlfriend. And I bet that's going great for you. Seriously. We live in a different culture, but you can customize anything and everything. Can you not? And because of this and other reasons, of course, we're seeing more and more people moving to what is called a customized version of Christianity. I'll take some Jesus with a little bit of grace on top, a little bit of mercy, and a lot of provision. Oh, and the sprinkles of just joy, 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 down in my heart. And we customize Christianity because, number one, we don't know him. And number two, we don't fear him. You see, God created us in his image. God created us in what? His image. And we think we'll return the favor and create God in our own image. Because we don't fear God. And we have embraced a customized version of Christianity. We're created in God's image. But hey, why not? Let's do God a favor. And create him in our image. Because we don't fear God. And you want to read the results of that? Just turn to your Bibles. In Romans 1. They did just that. And I'm not going to go there. But write that down. And seek that out for yourself. You see. We create God in our own image. And we customize what we want. I'll take the love of God. I mean, who wouldn't take the love, unconditional love of God? Yet I don't want his wrath. I want the mercy of God, but I'd rather do without his judgment. I want his blessings in my life, but this whole take up your cross thing? Yeah, that's not me. I've got way too much ahead of me 
to let go of that. There are parts of the Bible I really, really, really like and I love and I embrace and I want to hear more and more about it and read about it. But there are other parts, since I'm king and since I can have it my way, I'm just going to throw aside. Is this hitting anybody? It did me. Customized Christianity. I love the part about God that he has a plan for my life. He wants to bless me and he wants to prosper me and he's not going to harm me and he's going to give me a future and a hope. But that whole thing about surrendering my schedule and my talents and my finances on the altar of him and allowing him to take it. Yeah, hands off. It's because we don't fear God. And we've embraced a version of cultural, customized Christianity. I love how God works together for good. Who are called and love him and called according to his purposes. I like that kind of God, don't you? But the God who tells me I need to manage and invest my resources and my money... For his glory and be generous in everything? Yeah, I'd rather pay off my thousand dollars of debt. Ouch. I love that God says he's going to bless me. We hear this all the time. People name it and claim it, and I'm not talking bad about that. It can be done in the right intent, in the right heart. But we ask God to bless my coming in and bless my going out, but my weekends are mine. Well, they're sports, but they're mine. You know, customized Christianity says it this way. What is God's is mine. Thank God for that. Thank you, God. And what is mine is mine. And we live like that's okay. And why is that? It's because we don't reverently fear God. And it's not surprising that we would fall under this second category of Christian atheists. I believe in God, but I don't fear him. The next couple of minutes, we're going to look at the book of Psalms. So feel free to turn there if you have your Bibles there. There's some Bibles in the, the flap in front of you. Feel free to pull out your phone and look up an app. And if not, it'll be on the screen. Psalms 36, verses 1 through 2. And David was actually writing about the sinfulness of you and me, of humankind. This is actually before we realize that David didn't even himself understand how wicked and sinful he was until he met his fatal flaw. And yet, he's considered a man after God's own heart. Why? It's because he feared God and loved and served God. Let's look at verse 1 through 2. Verse 1 through 2. I'm going to ask for some participation here, okay? Sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. Sin whispers to the wicked 
deep within their hearts. They have, say it, no fear. They have what? No fear of God at all. In their, say it, blind conceit, self-centeredness, selfishness, they cannot see how wicked they really are. They have no fear of God in their hearts. They are so blind that they cannot see how wicked they really are. Do you know what sin whispers to you? What does sin whisper to you? You can't believe in that God stuff, can you really? Come on, you can't take this Christianity stuff so seriously. Come on, is this really, really going to be true? They have no fear of God to restrain them or to hold them back. And so they just do whatever they want because they don't fear God. They have no fear of God to restrain them. David said in their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they truly are. And my question for us today is, could David be talking about you and me? I want to ask you seriously this question. What if this verse is talking about you? What if this verse is talking really about the majority of us in the way that we have customized our own version of Christianity? What if we are truly blind to our own self-centeredness and wickedness? What if we can't see how really wicked we are? And what if we believe in God, but we don't really Fear God. And so now we get into the ultra serious stuff. And I actually mean this because this whole fear of God teaching has been misused and abused and misrepresented on both sides of the pendulum. And so I want to be very careful and I want to tread lightly as we try to get the proper biblical perspective of what it means to fear God. Some of you are already trembling and shaking in your shoes because you grew up in a church, much like the extreme of legalism. The pendulum shifted, oh, let's say 50 years ago, shifted over here, and it was all fire and brimstone, and you're going to hell in a handbasket. And if you don't get your life right, you're going to be burning in flames forever. And this is, I'm not saying it's completely wrong. What I'm saying is it's the full extreme of scaring people into salvation. It's called legalism. And it's not healthy. If you grew up in it or are in it, 
Is it working for you? And what I say about that is we have to be very, very careful. Very careful because I have not seen people coming to salvation out of absolute, like, torment fear. I'm not talking reverent fear. I'm talking haunted house fear. And if it worked for you, then the Holy Spirit did a work in your life. But we have, we have to be careful. And then all of a sudden, just as dangerous as this extreme, we go all the way to the other side of the pendulum of grace, grace, God's grace, grace where you can do whatever you want. It's okay. God loves you just the way you are. And it's okay to live your life in sin. It's okay to stay with that, that person who's not your spouse. It's okay to live with them. It's okay to have sex with them. It's okay to sleep with whoever you want. Grace, grace, God's grace. And we begin this very dangerous road of accepting and endorsing a life of sin that Jesus never died for. He died for sin. But he didn't die for us to have the freedom of just sinning and then saying, I'm a Christian. Now, there is no shame. There is no guilt. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But if we don't fear God, we're not going to love and respect God. And we're going to live the life that we want. And we will slowly become a Christian atheist. And we will not have impact in our lives. And people who look at our lives may not be influenced to have that same relationship with the God you claim to have. We need to be really careful because the justice of God is absolutely true. The justice of God is absolutely true. The wrath of God is true. It is there. And I hope you never see it or experience it. But the justice of God is incomplete. Hear me. It's incomplete. The grace of God is true. The love of God that forgives forgives all sin is true. But it's incomplete. This is the beauty of Scripture. In the book of John, when it says in the beginning, what's the word? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he was seen fully in grace and truth. He had the truth and the justice of God. And he had the grace and the love and the mercy of God. It has to be balanced, friends. It has to, has to. So when we talk about this, we have to be, and I'm giving this time because I understand our culture and I understand what you've been through and what has been fed to you time and time again. And I've been guilty of feeding the same junk to other people because I didn't truly fear God. 
So we don't want to move into legalism where we have to say you have to do this or God won't love you. But we don't want to move in what I consider as license to do whatever you want because God loves you. We need to understand that his love is so great for us and yet we need to live in a very reverent fear of God. We have to take both. We cannot customize our own Christianity. So, what is the fear of God? This is important, and I would really encourage you to write this down or take a picture of the screen. What is the fear of God? It is simply this. Ready? Loving God plus respecting God equals reverent fear. Loving God plus respecting God results in a reverent fear. This is not a perfect formula. This is still incomplete. We need the truth of God. We also need the grace of God. So now we look at a loving father, but an all-powerful, holy God. We love him because of who he is, and he first loved us. And while we were sinners, he loved you. When you didn't deserve it, he loved you even still. When you spit in his face and did it your way, he loved you even more. It's not just what he does, it's who he is. And because of that, we love him back. That's why we worship. We love him back It's our only reasonable response to say, God, with all of my heart, I worship and honor and adore you as God and God alone. But I respect and honor your power and righteousness as God and God alone. I love him as a heavenly father, but I respect him as what Hebrews 13 says is a consuming fire. Did you get that? I love him because he's a merciful father and gave his son up for me, but I respect him and fear him because he is a consuming fire. I love God who is full of grace, but I respect the one who is the righteous judge and will have the final word. In my life, I love and desire to have a relationship with you, Jesus, but I respect that your ways are higher than my ways and your thoughts higher than my thoughts. Remember, I told you I was going to bring the, the fear of God and knowing God together. Well, here it is. Dennis shared this with me this morning and it, the Hebrew word for fear. Do you know what it is? It's not judgment. It's not gnashing of teeth. Ready? It's intimacy. The fear of God, yes. (laughs) The fear of God is intimacy. And you can't have intimacy with a God you don't know. 
And through your intimacy comes a reverent fear because you know the consuming fire, all righteous, all perfect God. That is reverent fear. Dads, you have a glimpse of this, dads, and moms too. Joseph, my four-year-old son, knows that I love him and would lay my life down for him. And he knows that daddy's going to protect him if anything comes to harm him. But he also knows that if he swats at his mother, I'm his mama's protector now. And he's going to deal with discipline from daddy. And he's not going to like it. But daddy has rules. And the rules are to protect him. And he doesn't understand it. And it's not even about the pain. However you discipline in today's culture. Just had to throw that in there. I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to, Dennis. Out of respect for my daddy, he was a phenomenal daddy, but man, he was so good at the belt. Oh my gosh. Man, he could do moves with the belt. And And I tell you what, I disrespected my mama, and I got scars to prove it. And I knew daddy was coming home. And so I went to my bed, and I knew I had two minutes before he came into my bedroom door. And I went to my underwear drawer. And I put on as many pairs of underwear. Now, this was only about five years ago, but. (laughs) And my daddy put me on his lap and he (laughs) he went to raise that belt and just started to laugh because he saw this big cushion. And so what my loving father and gracious father, he just kind of, you know, gave me grace. He took off all my underwear and knocked me bare. And I learned to respect my daddy because I knew he loved me and he wasn't punishing me. Some of you have different experiences and I'm so sorry. That is not what you should have experienced. And again, I am not comparing my earthly father to an almighty, righteous, loving father, but just to give us a glimpse. We need to understand God's amazing power and intolerance to sin. Oh, man, if we knew the fire that rages when he sees sin consuming his children. But yet we respect him because he gave Everything to protect you and me, his son, Jesus. And he allowed his son to become brutally beaten, mocked and scorned. Not with belts, with spears and nails. To show us his deep, reckless, overwhelming love for us. That's the reverent fear of God. 
We love God because he first loved us. We respect who he is and the power and the authority that he has. Do you even realize the power and authority that he has over your last breath? Talk about grace and mercy and power and strength. We love God and we respect God. And that creates a reverent fear. I quickly want to look at three components of the fear of the fear of God by looking at three different Proverbs, and we're going to go quickly. Number one is Proverbs 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Wisdom and insight. It starts with the loving and respecting of God. That's where wisdom starts. You follow? When you love and respect God, that's where wisdom starts. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We need to learn to love and respect the Almighty God. And we'll start to see the fruit of wisdom in our lives. The second one is Proverbs 14, 27. It says, the fear of the Lord is a what? Fountain of life. Can we say that again? The fear of the Lord is a that one may turn away from the snares of death. It is a fountain of life gushing out towards the person for what? To protect them from death. To protect them from the destruction of sin. It is a fountain of life. The fear of God. Do you realize that the fear of God is all about God blessing you with his promises because you fear him? And lastly, Proverbs 22.4 says, true humility and what? And what? Everybody and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. God, I love you and you're given access. You've given access To me, to you, because of Jesus, so I can enter boldly before your throne of grace and petition you with what I need. You created me to be in a loving relationship with you, God. Therefore, God, I long to know you more. Show me more of who you are, but I respect and honor in awe of all that you are, God the creator and sustainer of the universe. And you gave me a right to a relationship which I don't deserve. Loving God plus respecting God equals the fear of God. And when you love God and you respect God and you fear God, you will obey God. When you love God, And respect God. And now fear God. You will obey God. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. Is this man named Abraham. And in that culture. Having a son was everything. Not money or wealth or riches. It was about a son. 
Here's the thing God promised. God promised to Abraham that he would bless him with a son. So it's safe to say that Abraham and his wife Sarah desired a son more than anything. And so God gave him a son right away, right? No. He was already, I believe, 75 or 78 when God promised him a son. 25 years later, this old man and old woman fulfilled or saw the fulfillment of the promise of God. So it's even safe to say that this boy Isaac was a treasure. And God said when he was a young, when Isaac was a young man, he spoke to Abraham again. And what did he say? Go and sacrifice the son that you love, that I have blessed you with. Go and sacrifice him on the mountain. And so Abraham ran away with his son and said, no. He did what God asked him to do is because he loved and respected God. And he feared God, which led him to obey God by even laying his only son on the altar of sacrifice because he knew what God said and it would be fulfilled. And he knew that God would provide a way. And even if God didn't provide a way out, he was going to be obedient because he feared God. And when he raised that knife and ready to thrust it down into his son Isaac the angel of the Lord said stop and what did the angel say now that I know that you fear God you will be blessed and all the nations after you through your son Isaac and on down the lineage to King David And then on to Christ Jesus will be blessed. The fear of God is all about loving God for who he is and that he loved us first, respecting his power and his authority and reverently fearing God. And then we will obey God. Ray Pritchard says this, and Craig Rochelle repeats it. He says, fear of the Lord is an ongoing attitude of my heart that moves me to choose over and over again to obey God even when it would be easier to do something else. And so as the band comes up, I just want to ask you, where are you not fearing God? Where are you not loving God because he first loved you and you know the character of the loving, powerful, righteous God that he is? And you respect him. But where are you not fearing him? In what area of your life are you just not living with a reverent fear of God? I want you just to grab one thing. Where in your life are you not like Abraham and saying, because I love God and he loves me and I respect 
God as the maker and sustainer of the universe. And I'm going to lay my life down because he knows what's best. Where are you in your life? And the second question of application is this. What are you going to do about it? Where are you not fearing God? And what are you going to do about it? If the answer is nothing, then you have your answer. You're just going to circle this vicious circle of Christian atheism, of believing in God, but living your life like He doesn't exist. And friends, I just have to tell you that when you take your last breath, whenever it is, whether the Lord has given you graciously 90 plus years or 35 years, we're going to stand before that righteous God, that very almighty God, and we're going to have to give an account for our sin. And the only hope, hear me, no one moving around, the only hope that you will have standing before the righteous judge is Jesus Christ coming down off his throne and saying, Father, I know him. I know her. And she has accepted the price that I paid for her. And the father says, welcome home, child. Come home. But for those who live their lives like God doesn't exist because they don't know him, they're going to stand before him on that fearful day where he says, I don't know you. And so this fear of God should not be one that brings shame, guilt, and condemnation, but one of love and respect and obedience. And if you want that kind of fear of the Lord, would you stand with me as we pray? Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we love you. We adore you. We fear your name. And we're going to enter into worship because of who you are because what you've done and you are faithful and we lay our lives down Lord every single person and the item that they declare that they're not fearing you God with I pray right now that you would do such a surgery in their hearts and you would show your love show your grace show your authority Show your power and show your might. We want to know you more, God. And we want to grow in such a reverent fear of you because you are our Abba, Daddy. And we belong to you.